The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. We're excited to join you and we're excited that you're joining us. We have we are experiencing massive growth. I don't know if you know this, but people are yeah. finding us and yeah. discovering us and it's due to you and it's due to mm-hmm. <laughs> to people like Rich and we've also got uh Brian <laughs> with these two debates. I'm going to go ahead and say this right up front that I think I have chosen so far some of the most difficult car debates Todd and I have experienced yet. And you're going to see why here, because as I said up front here, we've got Rich, who currently is London-based, but he's soon moving to San Francisco, California. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. we've got Brian, who is in northern Massachusetts, not shopping for himself, but his parents need a new car. I mean, how many times have your parents asked you, hey, what do you think? You know us. We need a new car. Mm -hmm. Here's our budget. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I mean, he's going through that very thing. I, I end up taking off I, I end up taking off all of the hats and preconceived notions that I hold for a car and I end up recommending something I would never recommend for myself and my parents are thrilled. That's what ends up happening. However, what also happens with me is I recommend something that isn't American and they buy the American equivalent and don't like it as much. But it's okay. All right. It, that's just how it works. Well, speaking of recommending, a lot of people have been writing to you recommending what you should do after oh. hearing your conundrums. You should talk a little bit about this. Yeah. I, I, yeah, okay. I, there's, there's, I, I kind of have to say thank you and stop it all at once because here's what's happened just right. in the last week. Uh, yeah, and by the way, happy Friday to all of you on this long weekend. I hope you get a great long weekend out of it. Apparently, I'm supposed to be car shopping, according to all of you. That's what you do. Uh, literally, since, I guess. since posting the podcast this past Tuesday, a couple things came out of that podcast. One, one, I obviously keep mentioning the cost of lotuses, and I like lotuses, and this is kind of a foregone conclusion, I realize. Yes. I also mentioned somebody had asked, one of you had asked on Facebook, what are the chances of me buying an Evo 10 uh, as a result of us talking about it on our Focus RS film? And I talked about being concerned about the running costs. As a result of those two comments, this proves you guys are listening, though. Thank you. As a result of those two comments, uh, first off, James Chan wrote in. And, James, you've been listening for a long time, following the show a long time. Thank you. I know that because we've had an email conversation before about the fact you have an 08, so the first year of the Evo 10. You've owned it since new. You have about 70,000 miles on it. You took the kind time... (laughs) <laughs> to break down for me how much this car has cost to own. And I must say, far less than I expected across the board. You've had it only dealer serviced, which you would obviously, most people would think that makes it even more expensive. And yet, it hasn't been all that bad. I think your worst service was a 50,000 mile service that was $900, which is not cheap, but it was a ways in. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's been like oil changes, and you've went, been through a couple of sets of tires and brake pads and simple stuff that is normal stuff. And your closing line, James, to give me no excuse at all, was this car has been far cheaper than my 3 Series. <laughs> so, Therefore, you're out I of found, excuses. Yeah. <laughs> I found myself shopping again, and then I tried yeah. to shake that off. And then while trying to shake that off, two of you sent me a listing from Bring a Trailer for an Exige that I love but can't afford uh so but two of you honestly sent the exact same listing hey todd link (laughs) and and, and the crazy thing is i'd already seen it 
I'd already seen it on Bring a Trailer and gone, that's a really nice Exige. Can't afford to get into a bidding war about that. And then got pinged twice. Thank you both. And then today, I sent this to you, Paul, because it hurt me so much. A guy sent... The tagline was of the email was, is this close to you? And I'm like, what, what the heck is this? Oh, so being yeah, the idiot that I, I am, <laughs> I, clicked, I clicked on the link. Clickbait. And I wound up. <laughs> I, yeah, seriously, this is my kind of clickbait. Uh, it was all bad. I wound up at a fantastically well-priced, very well-taken-care-of Lotus Evora that is about 15 miles from me. That is for sale. It's, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's perfect for what I want. <laughs> I cannot possibly afford to make this jump right now. I will acknowledge a couple of you asked in the Facebook questions, how long do I plan to keep my FRS? We have some more tuning planned for it. The reality of that is probably about another year, probably into next summer driving season. But what all we do to it and where I go is really going to depend on a lot of realities of life and budget. But right now I can't make a lotus leap, plus we're about to have a weather change anyway. But I can't make a lotus leap right now, and yet you're sending me low tie. And thank you and stop it, kind of all at the same time. Oh, yes. I am listening, and I will keep listening, <laughs> but it is quite a tease. You all are twisting the knife now because he's passing these along to oh, me and going, oh, you got to check this out. Yes. Yeah, it's it's getting comical over here. So thank you for doing that. The, I say keep it coming, personally, because I'm the, just loving the seeing Evora Todd twist today, in the wind. <laughs> the Evora today, it, it, it was like... If you can look at photos on the internet and they actually cause you physical pain, it was that kind of thing. <laughs> I was looking at this Evora post and going, in the back of my mind, terrible financial decisions are being made. In the back of my mind. <laughs> That's what's happening. I'm looking Kids, at this going, college yeah, funds but I are could, going away. But maybe I could, but what if, but what if, wait, wait, wait Paulo, what if I just, no, terrible, terrible ideas, all bad. This is hilarious. Well, I, I'm glad, like I said, and uh, yeah, thank you all for bringing those suggestions. Keep it coming. <laughs> this is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe it is. we'll it is. all I, stumble I, I, across something and it'll just be a foregone conclusion at that point. Who knows? Of course, of course, now you're actually asking for it on my behalf. Welcome to all of the emails that I will be reading for the show. On top of everything else, I'll just be sorting through today's Lotus email. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All good. All good, but funny. <laughs> well, it is Labor Day 2016 here in the States, and uh, I guess, yes, that's what you do on Labor Day in, uh, in America. You go car shopping, apparently. There's so many deals to be had, but we are debating, too, as I said, Rich from London, and he's moving mm -hmm. to San Francisco very soon, and he has got so many requirements here, and he's so all over the map. We thought we'd spend a little bit more time with him because of so many reasons, but we also want to get to Brian out in northern Massachusetts as yes. well. But uh, we've got, uh, yeah, just a, a little bit of stuff up front here as, we, as we've covered already, and uh, want to dive right into Rich's story here, because I think you all will appreciate the story as story. much as what he's thinking, and as much as you'll hear what we're mm -hmm. going to recommend for him. I just, I'm still scrolling, and then I have to scroll back up and reread what he's read here. I've I've got it. Oh yeah, that's right. You have you have broken the one scroll allowable rule, Rich, because this is <laughs> right. one of those emails that it's scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah. And I have to admit, I, I'm reading the beginning of it and I'm I'm picking up bits and pieces. And then at the end you actually took the time to break down cars that intrigue you and why they intrigue you. I actually found that the most helpful because Ultimately, you're a guy that I, I gleaned from this. I don't know if you gleaned this too, Paul, but I gleaned from this. You're actually shopping for two cars, 
and one is your kind of everyday car, your car that's going to do all of the normal life stuff, including deal with winter. You're a snowboarder. You, you like to get out and hit the ski slopes. So you want to do that stuff. It has to be ideally all-wheel drive, four-door, usable, but yet you're a guy who really has owned a lot of fun-to-drive cars. So that can't be lost in there. So that's one. Right. And right. the other is track car. And uh, by the way, you're not a small guy. <laughs> I yeah. noticed that too. He's six I'm, foot six, everybody, and he wrote, "I've got a size fifteen shoe," which means mm-hmm. a Lotus isn't the answer here. And I yes. like that you included your shoe size because, I mean, we just ran into that recently at the Chicago Track Day driving the Caterham. Mm-hmm. My Nikes were way too big, and I didn't have driving shoes. Yeah. I mean, this this review yeah. came out of nowhere. Suddenly, we were in the Caterham driving this car, and and uh, yeah, I was. You know, heel and towing with the edge, and I was still stepping on brake or gas accidentally. Well, yeah. unbelievable. The, so the, I get the it. six the six twenty R. We we went from we went from never having. Here's the thing: we went from never having driven a Caterham, never having driven anything right hand drive, never having driven anything sequential gearbox, to driving the <laughs> fastest, most powerful Caterham that is all of the above on a new so, track. Congratulations! Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Track we'd never actually driven on before. <laughs> Let's see how part. many things we can throw together. These were not lap records, folks, but the, that car is very fast. And there's no, there's also, the, the footwell is so small, there's no dead pedal. Yeah. So yeah. that makes it interesting. It, yeah, it's, it was quite interesting. Yeah, 15, size 15 shoe, six foot six. You're bigger than we are. Uh, you've talked about the fact that the Cayman, which you like, is just a little bit too small for you. So that gives everybody kind of frame of reference. Plus, it also takes the Cayman off the table. Uh, wow, this just gets twists and turns all over the place. Yeah, it does. All right, so I, I think we'll have to break this down into sections. So I'll start here mm-hmm. with the section of budget and a little bit of background. As Todd has mentioned before, okay. he's had some cars that he's really loved, some track cars. He's looking possibly for a manual, but he's also up for a good modern automatic. He also likes cars that are unusual, and because he's moving to the States, he's liking the idea and warming up to getting something American. Because I get your point, Rich. You know, it seems like, you know, if you're going to live here mm-hmm. in America and mm-hmm. you just, you're used to options in Europe, understandable. Now let's talk budget. Before we go into all <laughs> of this, I want you to have this in the back of your mind, everybody. <laughs> And Rich did say that this is a bit dangerous because he's pretty flexible on the budget. He can get most mm-hmm. sensible options to work. He has, uh, well, he had an E36 328, but yep. he's currently selling his 1991 Acura NSX. This is one of the early cars, one of the first, mm-hmm. and he has mm-hmm. even gone to the ski slopes in this car. I mean, full-on winter tires, yep. chains. He's driven this everywhere. It has 178,000 miles. He's selling it. Apparently Sounds still a great car. And Sounds I get it. We get it. Yeah, it mm-hmm. does. You know, you're going to be losing a part of you when that car goes. But mm-hmm. maybe it is time to move on. What floors me, though, is this background also is he's had the first-generation Miata, which he has yep. modded for track still does. road work. He still still has has this car, and yes, part of the equation could be shipping this over as, you know, leaving the track car, because I get it, you've put a lot of work and time into this car, so maybe just selling it outright Mm -hmm. isn't the option, since you've already got it. 
Maybe. Well, it's, it's, it's turbo to 200 horsepower. It's stripped out to be a track car. I mean, I think you're smart in saying that you seriously doubt you'll get out of it what you've put into it. Now, what you don't say here is, are you only in San Francisco for a short time? Are you storing that car and moving back to London? I'm guessing you are. But you're talking about mm-hmm. a right-hand drive uh, in a Miata, and you're wondering, should you ship it here? It doesn't sound like it's really on the table to be sold. So I start to suspect you're in San Francisco for a season of life and will probably go back. Of course, you could always, if you end up not going back, you'd always sell it down the line. But I agree with you. I don't think you get out of it what you put into it. So that car at least stays. But, I mean, this is a good listing of cars that you owned that are all very involving and you've been very connected with. So, I mean, track stuff and autocross stuff is going to happen here in the States with every, which with whatever you wind up in. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly a factor that keeps <laughs> just twisting that on this on itself. I'm fascinated by this. Okay, so he's got some usage bullet points here. I mean, scroll, scroll. This is long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. love all your thoughts, Rich. This is hilarious. All right. Uh, so he's talking about track or autocross, which makes me think... Maybe you're bringing the Miata with you, possibly. But then we're starting to or, get into or whatever the, the he car. has here has to work for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then we're starting to get into the requirements for the car that he's looking for, and this is a huge, varied list, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I think this is one of the most challenging car debates that you and I have had, just because of the varied things. I mean, it's not like. You know, I need a track car or I need just a winter car or something that's going to be good for the family or, you know, a lot of the things that we do, which are very valid. But the, mm-hmm. the stuff that he's got in here is just floors me. I mean, we're starting with tracking and autocrossing. OK, then we're going to commuting. Yeah. So he's going to be in the San mm-hmm. Francisco area. He's going to be commuting. He might be flying in and out, but uh, he's got some road trips to do as well. Now, <laughs> Rich has also been to a lot I mean, of these I, places in Europe. Looks, did you see this yes. list? Man. Oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 driven uh, route the Napoleon route in in the Alps, and uh, he used to take lots of road trips. Clearly, that nearly two hundred thousand mile uh, NSX has done some road trips. So uh, yeah, that that's definitely been a lot of places. Um, the other thing that's interesting here is you do acknowledge you'll be in San Francisco, which of course parking is a massive issue. You will have one space kind of right outside. You are expecting to wind up with a couple of cars, and but your other space will be a little more remote. So, I really, honestly, I, I gotta, I gotta call my shot here. I sniper shotted this. Did you with one cars. car? Oh, with two. No, 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 with with two cars. If he's gonna go two cars for the, for a while, I got myself completely stuck. I mean, like brain freeze trying to figure out one car. And then when I started rereading this and found he's pretty much expecting two cars. So we have the yes. autocross track portion of him, and then we have the real life portion of him. And once I realized that, I thought for a minute and then went, wait a minute, I'm calling my shot. Now it's two cars, but I've got sniper shots for both. I've got one scenario for Rich. But you're right. Keep going on the scenario, on the things he needs because there's a lot of stuff. Wow. All right. I'm impressed with that. Okay. So we'll keep going here. He's talking about road trips. He's talking about sports. And by that, I mean not the sports driving part, but just his lifestyle, whether it's snowboarding, mm-hmm. kite surfing, mountain biking. He's asking us, I need some space in the car. He's fit his life into these sports cars for many years. I can imagine, you know, the the NSX with the big auto, the roof box kind of thing. Interesting, fascinating, but I understand your desire for proper four adult seating, four doors, and what Mm -hmm. would normally be fine with two-wheel drive, he's done that before, 
he's looking for all-wheel drive also. Okay, so yeah. that's a twist. We'll keep going. He attends car meets. So that means he wants something interesting <laughs> and appealing and probably a little bit different than the typical stuff. But now, wait, there's more. <laughs> now, one of the fleet of these of the two-car fleet must be a convertible. Yeah. And then he goes into some scenarios here and then gives us a, a lot of thoughts on very specific cars, which helps... But, ah, man. All right, so first of all, he says the Paul scenario is a 986 Boxster S, or a spec version that's already had money poured into it, it's already been modded, understandable, and some sort of SUV, like a Cayenne, a Macan. I do like that, mm -hmm. because it's all Porsche, it's your all Porsche lineup. Very European, though. <laughs> of course you like it. And that's his point, is it's stuff he can get in Europe. So yeah. I say, yeah. I, I can't argue that point because of that desire. I cannot argue that. I, I get it. I understand. Now, what he's saying here, he goes on to say, maybe export the, the Miata and get a Ford Focus RS 500, which is a car that we never got in the States. I've seen them at the Nürburgring. Very cool. Yes, usable, but it's definitely, mm -hmm. it's definitely different. You would definitely be the talk of car shows, that's for sure. But now we're talking how much more money do you want to spend on exporting two cars? Uh, well, and I'm wondering if he's actually just meaning that he'd get a normal RS over here. I'm wondering if that's a, a mistype. I mean, maybe the be. 500 comes here eventually. Could but be. I, Yeah, I mean, I True. can't imagine that it makes any sense to export two cars over here. I, I, I think the MX-5, as far as I'm concerned, should stay in England for the short term anyway. But yeah, that is a strange scenario. Keep going. <laughs> I love that he appeals to you now. Because America, now ignoring the budget completely, which never existed in the first place, he said, I'd love a GT350R <laughs> and a Raptor, which I knew would appeal to you. And, uh -huh. uh, yeah, there, there you go. There's your all-American lineup right there. A huge do-it-all truck that can but, crawl over traffic. But I found this... <laughs> I found this to be kind of informative. I mean, I don't want to go through his whole car list because he's, he's listed about a dozen cars here and what he likes and dislikes about them. And I have to be honest, that's been very helpful. But the, the, his listing there of the GT350R and the, and the Raptor is informative to me, but it also suggests to me, plus he mentions later, he's kind of intrigued by the Model X, the Tesla Model X P90D. It, it seems to me we're dealing with an upper level of $100,000 here. I, I tried to operate in an 80 to 100 grand range for two mm -hmm. cars to solve his whole problem. And I think I've done it. I think I've, really? I've landed at solving both in a single shot. I mean, a single shot for each and solving both. I mean, you've talked about here, you know, the Hellcat intrigues you because of the Hellcat. I mean, talk about an American ridiculousness. Right. Uh, a 996 intrigues you because there's a part of you that just says, forget it. I'm just going to grab an, uh, a turbo 911 and go to the ski slopes and my friends can get there on their own. But you do have these real, realistic, I want four doors scenarios. So you, you have, you really have kind of shotgunned the target and gone, pick, pick a dot. So <laughs> I'm going to pick a couple dots and try to land somewhere. Okay. All right. I'm eager to hear these because I came up with a pretty good list here that I want to cover. It's okay. four or five yeah. long here, maybe six, but I'm curious to hear your specifics here. Well, and I'll go one further as I completely, uh, spoiler alert, the uh, the entire podcast. I've got a sniper shot for the next one, too. Do you? 
So I, I just, I've never done that. I've never called sniper shots on, on both rounds, but I've got something on both. I'm recommending cars I haven't recommended before in some cases. So I don't know what happened to my brain tonight, but these were, these were difficult. And then I found a breakthrough. But for Rich, do you want me to j- just dive in here? I think you should. I think it's something like that Raptor just clicked something in your head, apparently. It always does. I, I think so. I mean, here, here's, what, here's what happens. I mean, you talk about, Rich, you talk about how the Model X intrigues you. That the, that that nine uh, eleven in the snow intrigues you. You've brought up earlier. Hey, should I get a Macan? Maybe a Cayenne? I'm going to say to you, why on earth isn't your primary daily car a used Panamera? Yeah, yeah. You talk about wanting to take four people in four good seats with actual cargo space up to the mountains. Get yourself a GTS. Get yourself a four S Panamera. You know, you're going to be able to find a used 4S for probably in the 60, 70s range, okay, somewhere in there. Oh, and yeah. And you could get one. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you still get a nice one. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend the base 4 to you, but you can get that 4S, certainly for what we're talking about, 60, 70. And you've still got, based on my guesstimates of your budget, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 grand or so to still work with, which gets me to the other car in a minute. But that... Look, you, you're going to do the 911 kind of thing you're talking about. You have a car that you could commute in and take people in if you want to. Fine in all weather. You talk about how you might want to do end up big like across country road trips. That car still works. It does everything of that category. I think it's more dynamically interesting than both the Macan and the Cayenne. And I say that as a Cayenne owner. Now you might be saying that car's ugly. Okay, then. Maybe Cayenne or Macan, which you've both brought up, but I think the Panamera is the sweet spot to answer that primary car question. I, of course, no complaints from this side of the fence over here. <laughs> no complaints at all. I like that a lot. I, hmm, yeah, that was on my list, but it didn't top my list, interestingly. Okay. And it didn't because I wanted to still try and hit that American mark, you know, as far as the American choice, which well, I didn't. Of I'm course. getting there. I'm getting there, though. I'll get there with the next one. Keep going. Keep all going. right. All right. Well, I can name my list, or you can just, you know, get, give it up. Give it up. I'm, I'm well, thinking, I'm let's doing, hear it since all. Since I'm doing two cars, since, since I'm doing two cars, why don't you talk about, I mean, did you end up with two cars in this scenario or not? Well, what I thought was, I just kept hearing the love for the first-gen Miata. I kept hearing that, mm-hmm. I think I want to bring that over. It's already modded. It's okay. already ready to go. Okay. It's going to take less time to ship that thing than try to find something else and add parts and kind of tune it up how you want. Okay. I've already got it. Ship it. Done. So all I right. went with the right. one-car thing to, okay. right. to cover all these things. The commute, the road trips, the sports, the life sports, the car meets. And sure, sure. You know, possibly track, maybe. I mean, you can track anything, right? We we can track a Greyhound yeah. bus, but Pro- not... prove that in Chicago. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I went with uh, something else. Unfortunately, it's European. I say unfortunately because it doesn't check that box on your list, Rich. But sure. fortunately for you, sure. this is the Audi RS7 or an S8. Holy moly! Yeah, both these cars yeah. are all-wheel drive, luxurious, fast. You can track these. You can commute four adults easy, and it fits your life. You yeah. can put stuff in the back of these cars. I you think the saw RS7, your way across the U.S. in that car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think the RS7 is more interesting from a car show standpoint. When one of those rolls in, 
everybody knows that it's not, you know, some hot McLaren or whatever, but it gets looks. And because of what it is and because, wow, the power and, huh, that chassis is pretty good. Um, I I think that could be really interesting. You don't see too many RS7s and the S8, of course. And car guys know. Yeah, car guys know. Car guys know, for sure, yeah. So that led me to what I think could cover from the American standpoint, but it isn't all-wheel drive. And that is the Cadillac CTS-V. You mentioned the Hellcat, Mm -hmm. because who doesn't need 700 brake horsepower in their life? Well, how about 640? I mean, we didn't find that car to be slow (laughs) when we tracked it. Also great, rear-wheel drive, we get it, but large car, that'll fit your lifestyle Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do everything you're talking about with that CTSV. Stylish, different. I mean, loaded up with a carbon fiber, and I think that's pretty impressive at a car show. And then I will land on one other one that you can argue okay. is American. The co-founder is from uh, South Africa, and that is the Tesla. Back to <laughs> Tesla. You know how we mentioned the P100D, the Model S sedan is now the P100D at the very top end? Yeah. I yeah, went the, the big website one. Yeah, here. yeah. Yes, the 0 to 60 now drops to 2.5, yay. But interestingly, <laughs> the range has increased to 315 miles. At least that's what the website yeah. is claiming. If you don't if you don't, here, it's a trade-off. You can do that <laughs> two and a half seconds, zero to 60, miles. but right. your range is no longer 300 miles. I mean, right. this, this is your trade-off here, folks. Yeah, I get so it. Keep So that going. caught my eye because, Rich, one of your concerns was distance for commute and for road trips was just, is it a usable car? This mm-hmm. caught my eye. 315 miles, even if it's, even if it's 300. That's yeah. a lot of normal cars. So yeah, okay. That's well, that's. If you're going back from San Francisco to Tahoe, you're going to have plenty of superchargers to get you most of the way anyway. So yeah. I, I don't think that's as, as big a deal if you're doing that part of the world for sure. Yeah, and that's going. that's the other reason the Tesla works so well in the Bay Area is because it's San Francisco. Yeah. you're going to have yeah. plethora mm-hmm. of chargers, plethora of infrastructure yes. to support that car. Everybody will have one, of course. You yeah. won't be unique. That's the thing. It won't be interesting standpoint. at a car show. It, it will. You will be one of twelve at the local car show. <laughs> yeah. There will. There will be. There will be fewer modded modded Civics at your local car show in San Francisco than there will be Teslas. I'm just mm-hmm. putting that out there. So I. It'll be. I oh suppose... look, that's rare. That's a modded. That's a modded Civic with a trash can. Uh, <laughs> trash can exhaust. Yeah, oh, right. and there's the line of sixteen Model S's. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I guess that begs the question, and I point back at our American car manufacturers. Why isn't there something that is so world-beating like a Panamera? Or, you know, we can mm-hmm. pick and choose. The CTSV, awesome, not all-wheel drive. The Tesla, fantastic, yeah. doesn't stand out at a car show. Why isn't there an American? <laughs> I even thought of the Taurus SHO. Ugly, not unique enough. It's got the power. It's got all-wheel drive. The Chevy yeah. SS, we've yeah. talked about this ad nauseum at this point. Sorry, not yeah. all-wheel drive, and looks like a Malibu. Why did you bring that to the car show? Yeah. Well, car guys know, yeah. but I the rest you. of us don't. I hear you. So why isn't there an American and, and, car manufacturer that's brought the super sedan? Because mm-hmm, clearly mm-hmm. there's a market for this car. I mean, is it Cadillac? Well, they could know, do it. They could do it. If you roll in, if you roll into a car show in a, I mean, this isn't the number one consideration, obviously, but you roll into a car show in a Panamera GTS... That's interesting. There may be others of you around, but that's still interesting. 
And you know those those aren't all that common. Certainly the GTSs aren't. Uh, the 4Ss aren't overly common, but they're not all that common. It's funny. It's funny to actually think about the fact San Francisco specifically, you'll see more Model Ss than you will Panameras, which <laughs> Can't is swing nuts. A dead cat. That's actually a that's actually nuts. It's like it's like they gave them like they gave them away at the airport or something. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I, I have to stay Panamera for the primary car because I think it really can do everything you're talking about. But you do have this interest in an American car, an American car experience, and mm-hmm. you need that U.S. domestic track car. And I was thinking, and then it landed. Okay. Because I thought about, for example, I thought about a Solstice for a second. Because you talked about convertibles, and you wanted to have something unique. And I thought, what about a Solstice? And we had our friend Ben that we just met at the Chicago Track Day. Hello, Ben. We... Uh, we went around your car a little bit. We talked a lot about your car. You had a Solstice that was extra turboed. It was the turbo version, then cranked up again. And you're in kind of a, a mixed love-hate relationship with that car because you track it you track it fast, but it's a GM parts bin car. So you're finding mm-hmm. some of the stuff it comes off of this car and off of that car, and so it's not all that usable. I thought of that for a second, and then I, then I landed on something I've never recommended, but gets this done. <laughs> the, C, the C5 generation Corvette Z06. Those are 20 grand. They're about 400 horsepower. They are the best of the C5 gen. Now, I'll be honest, I don't really like the look of the C5 gen, though I think the Z06 looks pretty cool. The interior is a classic American car experience. You like how I did that? <laughs> it's classic. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like not realtors good, do it. It's cozy. Exactly. It, in need it of is, renovation. It's very cozy. <laughs> it's a very cozy fixer-upper. Run away. It's anyway, a postage no, but, stamp. But the, C, the, <laughs> the C5, the C5 generation Corvette is not a car you buy to enjoy your interior. But having said that, if it's your track car, who cares? Doesn't huh. matter. Is entirely irrelevant. So you have your Panamera for all your normal life. That's the one you park out front in your provided parking space. You park your Z06 in your distant parking space and use it for your track days. You get out for under a hundred grand. I'm not sure your top budget, but I'm just guessing that it's eighty-ish. You get out for somewhere in that ballpark. You've got both cars, American experience. The only box I haven't checked, the only one I haven't checked with these two sniper shots, is you said you want one of them to be a convertible, but. You can do a target top conversion for the C5 Z06, and I'm mic dropping right there. Wow. Panamera and a Corvette. Huh. Can they live happily together? Can they... Can they well, they don't have to park together anyway. Can but, they but, see each but other? But you're going to and... walk away with a... Wow. I, I, I think... Because I think that a really nice looking... Because, again, I'm not a fan of the C5 generation looks... But I have to say that the Z06 is interesting looking. It is. You pull one of those into a car show, you'll probably be the only one there. Now, only the Corvette guys are going to know what that is, but you're probably going to be the only one there. That's not an overly common car, and they're not expensive anymore. They're like twenty grand for a great performance car. Hmm. And it is classically American. You've got your LS motor. You've got your terrible Corvette interior. I mean, let's <laughs> check classic. every possible American <laughs> box. It is. It, let's be honest. But it will be great on the track. I'm I, I'm just I'm sniper shotting those two cars and I'm out. Huh. I'm I'm in awe over here. I gotta admit, this is good. This is good. All right. Well, uh, Rich, as we always say, since we've uh, you've unloaded on us, so right back at you and uh, <laughs> let us know what you land on. I mean, you've seen his list. I mean, super it's quick. Huge. It's huge. 
Lotuses, Volkswagens, Teslas, Mustangs, Porsche 996, Hellcats, yeah. BMW M5s, on and on and on. The F-Pace, I mean, <sighs> Evos. I mean, you've considered just about everything. I have to say, this was the part of the lengthy email <laughs> that was very helpful. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's you, you really have considered a lot of stuff. I, I hope this helps you. Um, and welcome to California. I mean, I think that'll be really fun. And, and there are so many good driving roads. You've talked about you want to take road trips to the Rockies, etc. I think you absolutely should. There are great driving roads throughout the U.S. And obviously, the one you have to do within five minutes of landing is you need to do PCH uh, south uh, through the Big Sur area. Pacific Coast Highway south of Carmel there is spectacular and worth doing in whatever car you can find. You're not going to go that fast because you'll be there with RVs, but it is spectacular. Uh, And then, yeah, start driving around. The Rockies and many other places have great, great roads. Well, we don't have any sorbet for your ears right now, like a little bit of music as we switch gears. But I will say, as you're listening, please rate and review our podcast. We really appreciate you joining us. We hope you're having fun right alongside us. If you've got your own debate, EverydayDriverTV at Gmail or the website, EverydayDriver.com. And you can write to us right on the website. A lot of people are Mm -hmm. doing that. We've got Mm -hmm. requests pouring in, which is great. So... Yeah, now awesome. that you have really switched gears, we don't have any, like I said, some kind of music clip to play you. I will just say we're going to move probably on. Sound more like a, it would probably sound more like an actual car wreck transition, knowing us. Or but, how about uh, an yeah, engine revving? To... You know, like a beautiful classic Ferrari V12 Stop. or something like that. Stop. I hit, it's like the old classic radio shows where you have a bunch of different sound effects underneath certain <laughs> buttons and yeah, your producers right. and they're plugging them. I, I was part of those days. It's frightening. That's right. That's Let's right. move on to Brian, shall we? We have none of those buttons. Brian in northern... Yeah, exactly. Thankfully, <laughs> Brian in northern Massachusetts is writing to us, and he says he's got a, a Honda Accord LX. He actually uh, he likes it, but he wish he had something more interesting. But he likes the podcast. He appreciates us doing the podcast. Helps him get through his long commutes, which we're glad about. So thank you for that. But you're actually writing to us on behalf of your parents, who have two very interesting cars. One is a 2005 Acura TL. Now that is our favorite generation of Acura TL. That 03 to 08 has aged fantastically. It yeah. is a great-to-drive front-wheel drive car. They have that car, and you said you and them and everyone that gets in it loves to drive it. I'm not surprised. Great car. They also have an 06 Volvo V70. So that's a wagon that has 160,000 miles on it. It has been the opposite of the Acura. Lots of miles, lots of money to keep it running. Nobody likes this car anymore. It is out the door. You're shopping for them. They don't want an SUV, but they're spending about thirty grand, and grandkids are involved. And you kind of said, "Okay, guys, have fun." <laughs> well, I uh, I went a couple different directions. They are very divergent. One might be okay. out the window because they don't like SUVs, which I can't understand because everybody likes the SUV now these days, right? Everybody. <laughs> Owns you're a SUV so, if you live in America, SUV. you're supposed to have an SUV in the garage. That's really that. I mean, they don't actually say that, and n- neither of the of the ridiculous candidates running for president have actually acknowledged their platform on SUVs. But I think it's probably because you're supposed to actually own one now if you're an American. Hmm. All right. So they want to spend thirty grand, as you mentioned. They want the car to mm-hmm. be reliable and safe for grandchildren, which is good. What yep. caught my eye here is they need this car to take to the dump. So you must be throwing away a lot of stuff. <laughs> and well, also, yeah, yeah, I don't know. These these grandchildren going. are going to the beach. So think beach toys, mm-hmm. 
sandy stuff, stuff that's just full of sand yep. and caked yep. on dirt and whatever that is. The car is just the car is going to get it. used. Yeah. It's going to get used. Yeah. I went, uh, like I said, a couple different directions, and I'm going to suggest the first one, knowing full well that they don't like SUVs. But here's okay. where my head went. It went to a small pickup, specifically the new Chevy Colorado. And I'm looking at one right hmm. here. It sits higher, like an SUV, and maybe that's the, you know, the turnoff there, possibly. But this maybe. short yeah. bed, because it's a smaller pickup, and these are good looking. I mean, I like the, the GMC version a little bit better, but they're more expensive. Mm -hmm. And these, the Colorado, you can get for right about 30 Four doors, so plenty of space for everybody inside. Safe enough yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. higher up. If they are thinking safety for the grandchildren, you can always appeal to the, you know, riding higher. We're, you know, kind of higher in the pickup truck. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then this short bed on the back, I thought, well, shoot, you could just put everything after the beach. You can take whatever you're hauling to the dump, whether it's Christmas trees or trash or whatever it is, and <laughs> <laughs> multiple Christmas trees. I don't know. Uh, and then all your beach toys, all the sandy stuff, the towels, the coolers, the wagon, all yeah. the stuff yeah. goes right in the back of the pickup. And it's just easy. That way you don't have to think, oh, well, you know, I'm getting my SUV dirty or my car dirty. I'm going to have to vacuum out mm -hmm. all the stuff. You can hose it out. And it's still not a huge yeah. hulking pickup that you're going to feel like, oh, man, you know, it's this gigantic truck for you know, not parking, you know, not going to be good for parking or, you know, something like that. So I'm liking the size of this new Colorado that they've come up with and liking the styling and kind of liking everything about it. But then, like I said, yeah. I get it. They're not an SUV thing. And that could sort of, they could instantly dismiss it because of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the other direction I went here was something I've talked about earlier in the podcast here, and that's the Audi A7 because of that mm, hatch. Mm. Yeah. Huge yeah. hatch. And those have dropped to the point where a used one is probably right around 30 grand. And it's going to be spacious, lots of stuff in the back. I thought, what mm -hmm. kind of car has a big opening? That's really where my head went. It's going to be nice to drive. Sure. It isn't a Volvo because well, you're wanting to get rid of that Volvo. Mm -hmm. What has a big opening that you can put stuff? Huh. That A7. Mm -hmm. That's about the well, biggest hatch I could think of. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're replacing that, that Volvo, that V70, and, of course, they want it to be more reliable and interesting than that car. But clearly, we need to be something in the wagon world. I think that's pretty obvious. And I I pondered everything you're talking about. In fact, I didn't go Colorado. I initially heard the dump, and I and I, then I saw my father, and then I realized that I should say Chevy Avalanche. And then I read no SUVs and went, no, no, can't do Chevy Avalanche. Yeah. Because uh, that's very nice until, you you know, you, you need to use the bed. And he, he uses it as intended. I mean, that has been the perfect car for him. But I can't go there. So I started thinking like you did. I started thinking wagon replacement. And then it struck me. Okay. Car I've never recommended ever. But I think is perfect. It's a sniper shot. I think it is the car for these people. Huh. Just All right. done. All right. All right. I'll walk you there. Our, our friend that writes into us, okay? Brian writes in about his parents, but he talks about having a Honda Accord that he likes, but it's not interesting enough. They talk about having an Acura TL that everybody loves. You need a new wagon. I went, here it is, Honda Cross Tour. Look, oh. I don't like the looks of this car. I will fully acknowledge, but it has everything you need. It has everything you need. 
as as and this is me acknowledging the fact that there are cars out there that I don't like, and who cares? That doesn't mean they aren't great cars for somebody. This is the right car here. Great space, Honda reliability, good usability of a hatch in the back. I mean, I've seen the hatch in the back. That is a good cavernous area. Hondas are the king of cubbies mm. to put stuff. And it's not... I mean, I even thought, look, we could go Cadillac CTS wagon, but once you start to get into luxury things... What are you putting for the dump in the back? And are you going to feel precious about this car with that stuff in the back? True. You take your Honda Cross Tour. You get yourself some nice WeatherTech kind of mats. You actually mat the back. Throw stuff in there. Throw your beach stuff in there. Who cares? Pull the mat out. Hose that down. It's a Honda Cross Tour. It's going to run. It's going to serve all of your needs. That is my sniper shot for these folks. And I'm done again. It's good. I think uh, WeatherTech needs to make their spray-on stuff, you know, like WeatherTech in a can so you can just coat the inside of your car with WeatherTech. Instead of buying the mats, it's just spray. Just spray it everywhere. WeatherTech in a can. (laughs) Don't you think? That is spectacular. That's one of those those spoof commercials when somebody makes a movie that's like a sci-fi movie for 100 years in the future and they get sponsors and then everybody sits around and tries to figure out how do we make this sponsor a part of the future? WeatherTech in a can is going to be in some movie about 2050 that comes out the next couple of years. I'm telling you right now, it's perfect. It's like that spray in bed liner stuff. Same kind of thing. You can just spray it in your car and then you can rinse it out. Just hose it out. and 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 when you're done spraying and it actually sprays out the logo at the end of the can. It actually sprays the little logo out. You know, hey, <laughs> yeah. all the WeatherTech mats have their logo in the corner. It the, does that too. The logo oh, yeah. is the rattly uh-huh. thing in there to mix the paint, and then it spits the logo out. You're done. <laughs> Throw the can away. Exactly. Just bleh. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I definitely see that, and I think parents are going to be far more concerned about the grandkids and making them happy than what their car looks like. I admit that, and I can see why the cross tour probably would work just fine for them they're probably not going to be too concerned about you know being precious about really anything because again at that stage it's all about making the grandkids happy it's all about them and you know it should be it should be and that's entirely okay i guess i blocked the cross tour out of my mind because it's the cross tour it's just (laughs) so ugly and i I know i'm not at that place in my life where the car just needs to be fans, car and a big hole in the car through which we can throw stuff and kids and the kids' stuff. Okay. You okay. And I are, you and I are not fans, but the thing about it is, it, 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 in this regard, it doesn't matter because you and I aren't shopping in this market at all. And the, no. And, and I, will, I no. will fully acknowledge there are a couple people I know that own cross tours and love them. And the Honda Accord that is essentially based on, I will fully acknowledge as well, fantastic car that I've recommended. So I just sit here and go, there it is, Honda Cross Tour. I do. I just this minute realized that for our prior debate, I recommended the Panamera, and now I'm recommending the Cross Tour, two cars that are essentially the same shape and almost interchangeable from two different brands. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I suppose the, the Audi A7 is just the luxurified version of that, but... All right. It is. You're, we're all in the same. We're all in the same basic shape. But I do think the Cross Tour gets it done here, and I think that car would run and be usable, and you would be very happy in it. Uh, and you like Hondas already. I mean, I think that solves it too. I hate to admit this, but I think you're right. I just I'm grinding my teeth with just. You, here's uh, the thing. Uh, you you both you both don't like the fact that I may be right with my sniper shot and the fact that it's a cross tour. Both of those are actually causing you to grind your teeth right now. I'm sorry about that, but I'm staying there. Yes. No, I think you're right. It's the accord with the backpack, which is what they need. 
and who cares the about the car? Cord with the backpack. Right? There's there's the t-shirt of the podcast right there. <laughs> it's a picture of the cross tour and it doesn't say cross tour on it. It says a cord with a backpack. Please That's nobody it. make that. Done. Please do not go to Photoshop right now and make that. It's 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 happened already. I'm oh, telling you no. by the time by, by this by this time tomorrow <laughs> we will have photoshopped pictures that we have posted because you have sent them to us. I know it's happening. A cord with a backpack. And the accord's going to be hiking through the wilderness with a hiking stick with a backpack on. And hey, buy a cross mm-hmm. tour and have a sporty, active lifestyle. You can put grandkids and Christmas trees. Then it'll trees be the the Eddie the trash. Eddie Bauer edition of the. No, it, it'll be no. Sorry, I got <laughs> Eddie Bauer was was two two twenty years ago. It'll be the Cabela's edition oh. of the Honda Cross Tour. Could they do Bass? I don't know what edition? that is. No. I don't know what that is, but the Cabela's edition of the Honda Cross Tour has probably got, I don't know, like uh, a, a big compartment for your waiters and a place to put the fish you just caught. I don't know, but there it is. And I'm sure a camouflage option for something. I'm sure. Yuck. <laughs> yuck on all counts. Just across the board, yuck. But I, I think you're I right. like I like that your conclusion there is yuck. <laughs> on that note, we should move on to Facebook questions, of which there are many. I should do one little bit of business here, and I, I hate to I hate to specify this, but please do us a favor and try to keep your actual car debates to either the email, the Everyday Driver TV at Gmail, or through the website, just to help us funnel things in the right places. These Facebook questions, the ones we typically grab, are the ones that are kind of quick, kind of snacky questions. We can go, oh, that's funny. We'll talk about this real quick. Uh, the car debates take up enough time that we try to keep them all uh, cordoned together. But there are many, many other Facebook questions. I'm going to start with Blake Swan, who said, do we ever see the dealer markups ending in relation to the ridiculous extra prices being charged right now for the Shelby GT350 and the Focus RS? And I'm going to say the short answer, Blake, is yes. And my evidence is look at the the Camaro Z28. Hmm. Came out with ridiculous markups now available below MSRP. Look at I'll go and I'll go farther back. Initially, when the the Volkswagen Bug was reintroduced as the redesign, okay, the, there was the one that they made since World War II that looked the same until like the seventies, eighties, etc. When they reintroduced it in the early two thousands, that car was selling above MSRP for the first six months. So there's no question this will come down. If if that's a car you definitely want, wait, it will come down. Uh, and the Z28s are now sitting on lots available for, for less than the MSRP. So, yes, it'll happen. Yes, I agree. There's There's a short window of time, a short window of opportunity for greed from these dealerships. And that's what they try to do because as soon as they make more cars, mm-hmm. there's less opportunity for them to market up. So, yes, I'm in full agreement. Not that we're going to see Focus RSs everywhere sitting on lots. Maybe, maybe, but that's a long way down the road. But when something's Mm -hmm. hot, that's when it's time to strike. The dealers know it, but as soon as people start pushing back and more cars get made, it becomes of less interest and people just walk away. Dealers know this. Yeah, It happens to a lot of kinds of cars, and they eventually just, okay, I guess we're out of the... The crazy, you know, hotness period, and we just got to kind of sell it for MSRP now. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, all it's right. supply and demand versus there are always those people at every area. I mean, honestly, it happened with the Beetle, the Prius, many, many other things that have very normal price tags on them and are not even enthusiast cars. There is a segment of every buyer group that just wants to be the first one you've seen. I'm driving the first one yep. you've ever seen. 
people dumped the FRS in six months. Some of those people were having problems, but a lot of those people just were excited to have the first one. It's the new little sports car, and now I'm done. So it'll happen here, too. Speaking of Beetle, I saw a Beetle Dune edition the other day. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Dune Beetle. I I mm-hmm. nearly broke my neck trying to watch this thing drive by. Like, who buys this car? <laughs> Why does this exist? What on earth? Well, you know. Your Dune. There, there is your truly tune. a market for everything. Okay, I shouldn't read the marketing slogans from Volkswagen. Moving on. <laughs> Speaking of cross-tour, which we were just talking about, our good friend Nate asks us, which is one car you know you should recommend on technical merit, but just hate and can't bring yourself to mention? Well... Hopefully that answers your question, Nate, because Todd just did. I hate that he did, but I think he's right. And, uh, mm. yeah, the Cross Tour, the Aztec. I don't think we'll ever recommend a PT Cruiser for any reason unless it's to shotgun to death <laughs> or launch off a cliff. Uh, well, but I have, yeah, I, have there a, you go. I have another one here, though. Yeah, that's a gr- it's a great question, Nate. Thanks for writing in. I, uh, I have another one here, though, that I have to say. I have to say Toyota Camry. Because here's the thing about the Camry. There is, and I mean this very, very honestly, there's nothing wrong with that car. It, the reason they sell so well is because you can look at the build sheet and anything you hope to get into a car that you've heard about a car having, it wouldn't be great if my next car had, yes, check that box. The Camry can get that. Mm-hmm. They are now pretty powerful, and you can get them, you know, bathed in whatever leather or accoutrements you would like. <laughs> bathed and in leather. And they spray seriously and they and they and they run and they're reliable and all of the above and i just don't care yeah they're just not interesting and they are the the perfect example of a car that is made to please as many people as possible and take any anything you want to take once you get to something that is designed to please as many people as possible, the counterpoint of that is to offend as few people as possible, and therefore it rarely incites just sheer passion, pro or con. So it's a car yeah. that I just find is, the, is one of the most perfect sedan appliances. There's really nothing wrong with it, but there's also nothing inspiring about it, and so I can't recommend a Camry because I can think of so many other cars before I get there that are just more interesting, be it dynamically or otherwise. I'm going to say Honda Accord all day long before I get to a Camry, and they're essentially fighting for the same segment. So that would be the one I would say, Nate. Nate, I'm going to say Prius, and you just wanted me to hear, you just wanted to hear me say Prius. That's what you wanted. I knew it. I can't stand this car. There are many cars I will recommend before this, but yes, hypermilers are a part of car culture, and this does appeal to the segment of people who feel like they can't afford a Model 3, because these start at just under twenty-five grand, and it's a fuel thing. It just comes down yeah. to commuting and saving money on fuel, so I can't argue that. I really yeah, if you need- hate that, but... Yeah. Uh, okay, so, you know, we're going to try to dance around the Prius issue every time, but if that's what you have for specific reasons, we can't deny it, and if that's one of the debates, then, you know, not well, too many if, cars if reach person, that miles, those miles per gallon. If a person is shopping miles per gallon first, it's got to be near the top of the list. It yeah, just has to it be. It, it's a good running appliance that gets fantastic gas mileage. If that's how you're shopping, you wind up in a Prius. Uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I totally hear you. 
Other cars that make me grind my teeth are that Chevy High Heritage Roof HHR and the Plymouth Prowler from way back. <laughs> but uh, we'll just stop there before I, my head explodes. <laughs> and you go on a design just tangent and uh, yeah, tirade. Yes, you certainly could. Uh, I've got uh, Philip here was writing in. I love this, Philip. You wrote in and you said, will the SS ever be considered an unmentioned obvious choice as we have declared the uh, the WRX to be? Because we said from the beginning of the podcast, we said that we felt like every single person writing in was writing in and the answer could be WRX. I've got $25,000. I need a four-door with all-wheel drive, WRX. So, uh, you know, he's asking, will the SS reach that place? I would say yes and no. I feel like on one level, we've already reached that place. We are at peak SS, folks. <laughs> so, yes. I, I, have, I, have oh, gone, awesome. I have gone through an entire podcast and not recommended that car, by the way. But here's the thing about it, Philip, that the reason it keeps getting talked about. The WRX is a known commodity. And I realize if you listen to this podcast, you've now heard us rant about the SS. But the WRX is a known commodity that is a successful car that is getting sold a lot. The WRX rules that area. The SS is unknown and mostly ignored, and it's fantastic. And I like rooting for the underdog cars that either look wrong or under the wrong badge, but are fantastic to drive that I wish people would buy, especially because if you're not buying them, you can get deals. So the SS checks all those boxes, and I feel like I have to be the profit for the SS. But uh, point taken, maybe I should shut up for a bit because clearly you've heard me. <laughs> Good news, everybody. We've reached peak beard and peak SS. So fortunately, we can move on from there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, well, Dong Yil Chang uh, asks us uh, the would you rather questions. And these are something mm -hmm. I always find funny, you know, like, would you rather sweat cheese or fart confetti? But fortunately, he asks us, would you rather get caught dead in an Aztec, a Corolla, or a Fiero. And I ask, what say you? What say you? Well, you know, when he first wrote this question, I think I feel like I read it originally, and I only maybe it was just the way it populated on my phone, but I feel like I originally saw it with either Aztec or Corolla, which I think is a better either-or than adding the Fiero, because the Fiero at least gets some sort of sports car thing going. And so I feel like that's too easy. I'm going to actually restrict myself to Aztec or Corolla because that's the worst of two evils. But then I even have an answer there. <laughs> I'm going to say Todd Deacon was found dead today behind the wheel of an Aztec. I like that better. I like that better for one reason. The Corolla... This is a terrible, terrible... I'm writing my own obituary right now. It's this awful. This is weird. This having is said getting that, weird. It is weird. But, but the Corolla is a non-decision... You just got car. Now, the Aztec, <laughs> while, while the Aztec is a terrible decision, at least you made an actual bold choice with direction. You don't, you don't happen into an Aztec. You don't, well, I just need a, and you wind up in an Aztec. You can do a, I'm really not making a decision, and find yourself driving a Corolla. Whereas the mm. Aztec requires a specific choice. I'm going with the Aztec. Daniel, I'm going with the Dodge Dart. No wonder they're getting rid of this car. <laughs> yuck. More in the yuck category. I just... I, okay. Yeah. By the way, I did see my first abandoned Aztec by the side of the road. It was red. And I thought, huh. Hmm. Somebody just went, I've, I've done. I've had enough. Slam. Look <laughs> on your phone. Scene. Call an Uber, and I'm out of here. Just done. I'm just leaving it here. <laughs> I'd, Step out, hilarious. leave the keys on the front seat, and walk away. I mean, <laughs> I, I used to tell you about this, and, and you didn't believe me until you moved to Utah as well. 
I don't remember the last time, and I lived in L.A. for 14 years. I don't remember the last time in Los Angeles I saw an Aztec on the road. And I moved to Utah and suddenly went, this is where they all went to die. Because in the winter, they come out of the woodwork. They are so many people's winter beater cars in the Utah area. It would boggle you to the point that you stop going, oh, my gosh, it's an Aztec. It's just there's another one. It's amazing. But apparently this person finally got fed up and went, why did I buy this car? I Uber, done. I'm out of here. Slam. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Bye-bye. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Uh, what else is on your list? Anything else strike you here? We've got lots and lots uh, of good I do questions. Have such good questions. I do have one more. Keith Roxo wrote into us and said that we like the, uh, the Cadillac CTS wagon. We've talked that up a lot, especially in the V variant. So he's asked about the Dodge Magnum in comparison, which, honestly, man, it's a great question. And I will say this to you. The reason that I don't like the Magnum as much, which, honest, which they should have kept making, that I really wish there should be a Hellcat Magnum right now. By the way, isn't that the coolest name ever? The Hellcat Magnum? Could Done. you reverse it and be cool? Done. You don't even... Magnum Hellcat? No, that I, doesn't work I, as hey, well. E- either way, either way it sells. This is just, this is simple marketing. It's just a good name. Anyway, <laughs> so the Magnum Hellcat, based on the current Charger right now, I wish they made that car. I would recommend it like crazy. I'll be honest. I wouldn't buy one. I don't have the money, and I'm not in the market. But for whatever it is we do to the market, I would recommend that car like crazy. doesn't exist. Bummer. The problem with the Magnum is it is built on a generation of that Charger and Chrysler 300 where the interiors were really kind of awful. And so it's really hard to recommend that car because I feel like you get in it and it's, it's like that 10-year-old computer on your desk where you can't believe how old it looks. That's the kind of interior we're dealing with in the Magnum, and that's one of the reasons why I have a lot of trouble getting behind it. Although, if somebody did fit the engine, it would have to, it would have to be you know, paid attention to, certainly. Well, but, but if, they, if they put the engine in there, it would also be on the new current chassis, which is a vastly improved interior. Yeah, yeah. Just... So it would solve both problems. I'm telling you, the current Charger in, in wagon form called the Hellcat Magnum or the Magnum Hellcat, you pick, done. That car should exist. It really should. <laughs> oh. I love it. Uh, well, thank you, guys. By the way, Andre Levin asks me, uh, where does he sign up? Because he drove a friend's 2013 Cayman S with a sports exhaust. And, yeah, you sign up at Porsche.com. Just wanted to leave you on that note. <laughs> That's where you sign yeah. up. Thank you, guys, for listening, for watching. As we mentioned, please rate and review the podcast. We are really, really thrilled to have you with us. It's a lot of fun, and like I said, hope you're having fun right along with us. Write to us with your own car debate, and uh, get creative, I will say. Use your creative juices, and uh, this, like I said, hard one for us, but uh, hopefully we've got good choices for both Brian and Rich. And thank you again. Lots of cool stuff coming your way, and uh, hope you're enjoying the Focus RS piece. We've uh, got a lot of views on that, which is really cool to see. Yeah, it's great. That's great. Thank you guys for being with us as always. Uh, we do have a pilgrimage trip coming up, and thank you for those of you that are going and still writing in about that. More news on future adventures to come up soon as well. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Cheers. Cheers.